Welcome to the What's Your Ceiling podcast. We're your hosts, Monty Wyatt and Paul Szczynski. Wherever you are in life, there is a higher ceiling. This podcast is how you become aware of it and how to take action to push through it. I'm Monty Wyatt, best-selling author of Pulling Profits Out of a Hat and CEO of Adding Zero's Executive Development. I grew up on a family farm in Iowa and have gone from sowing corn to sowing seeds of success throughout the world, leading, managing, and training teams. With me is Paul Szczynski, entrepreneur and investor who also grew up on a family farm here in Iowa. We believe every organization and person can be intentional in how they lead, influence, and manage their lives and businesses. What's Your Ceiling is for professionals, managers, executives, entrepreneurs, and business owners who want to achieve more in their health, family, and business by breaking through their ceiling. Every episode will give you real-world, easy-to-implement solutions so that you can be more aware and take action to reach new heights. It's time to discover your ceiling. Welcome to the What's Your Ceiling podcast, where we talk about your health, your family, your business. My name is Monty Wyatt, and it is an honor to have a fellow Iowan on the show today. He grew up in Iowa a couple times, uh, but he was drafted into the Major League Baseball with Pittsburgh Pirates. He's got an MBA in entrepreneurship. He's the founder of a company called IT Resources. They're a technical staffing agency. They help clients and candidates and raise the bar on how how they treat their 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 candidates and their clients. From Tampa Bay, Florida, please welcome Dan Jones. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks, Molly. Thanks for having me here. You are welcome. You know, it's it's interesting. We connected on LinkedIn and we, we ended up finding out that we grew up about 15 miles apart and and uh, probably about the same age. And so it's a uh, it's great to connect with you, and I look forward to hearing some of your stories. You bet. Look forward to it. You know, we we always start our show with a, a little topic just to get us going. And from some of your experiences and, and things like this, we chose the topic of passion for entrepreneurship. So when you when you hear that phrase, passion for entrepreneurs or passion for entrepreneurship, tell me what comes to mind and, and what you think about. Well, as I'm a little older now, it's there's a lot... It, a risk is what I think of a lot more, but uh, it, it uh, it's certainly something that uh, I'm passionate about, and it's it's an opportunity to you know to shift uh, your your position or uh, you know change the world. You know that's some of the best ideas that come from places where somebody has a great idea and they just throw the hat over the wall and and off they go and never look back. You know, I I love a couple of things that you said. It, it's changing the world and never looking back. You're you're making a choice to change things, and you never go back. There's there's not an option, is there? No. <laughs> we we burned the boats. There, there there's no there's no going back. <laughs> right on. That's exactly it. Yeah. Well, I, and, I, and it's funny, Monty, because I look back over my career at time, and certainly when I was younger, I'm not sure that was a conscious decision. It's just the way it was. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, you're 100%. You know, I, I grew up on a family farm and, and everybody, you had to work to get everything you wanted. You had to work hard. You got up early, you stayed up late. And that, that's very much the entrepreneur mindset is you you work till you get it done. And, and you got to have a passion for that hard work because that's what it takes. Absolutely. And it's, you know, having 
uh, our family was not uh, a farming family. Uh, I've got an uncle that's that uh, that has that has a farm in the Mana area, uh, but uh, but as you know, our side of the family never never was in it. But it's certainly ingrained in in the culture and in how I grew up. You know, absolutely. If you wanted something, you better work for it. You and, bet. and and if you're not working hard, then somebody else is outworking you. Yeah. You don't expect anything. <laughs> you know, I'd love to hear a number of stories from you, just uh, from the brief conversations that we've had. You moved around a lot as a child, and yep. and I'd love to hear what caused you to move around and what that experience helped teach you as well. Because your your dad was an athlete, just as you are and and were and. And just want to want to hear that story a little bit, if you would. Sure. So, uh, Dad played football at the University of Northern Iowa uh, there in Cedar Falls, and uh, so I went to kindergarten there as a as a youngster. And then uh, uh, and he spent some time with the Kansas City Chiefs and uh, you're with the Chiefs and you're with the Rams uh, after after you and I and uh, uh, actually fractured his orbital bone in his in his head, uh, oh. which led to the yeah his exit from the game. But uh, was. Uh, a football coach in Alamogordo, New Mexico, uh, which if you, if you look at it on a map, it's an Air Force town. It's 25 back then. I, I think it still is 25, 30,000, you know, town population. And uh, if that Air Force base wasn't there, I'm not sure how much would be there. You know, maybe a couple gas stations and a Chili's or something. But that, that might be about it. But uh, and uh, and then from there. So we spent five years there and then he got into sales and uh, moved us to Columbus, Ohio, northern suburb called Worthington. And uh, we were there until uh, my sophomore year, finished my sophomore year in high school there and then finished uh, high school at Cedar Falls High last two years. So I actually went to uh, uh, graduate high school with the same kids I went to kindergarten with. I find so yeah, so around, around the world, around the country and, and back where you started. So <laughs> a wonderful experience. And, you know, and, and so what did it teach me? You know, and, and I look back on those times and, and growing up in Alamogordo, New Mexico in an in a Air Force town, everybody is a different shade and a different color. And I'll tell you, there's days when I look around the world today and just what a formative experience that was. And just, you know, people are people. Not everybody wants the same thing. They want to grow up and, and you know, be loved and have friends and, and get along. And, and uh, boy, some of the dialogue and some of the things we see today is so divisive. And it's sad to me and it doesn't make a lot of sense. But, uh, you know, the other part of moving around like that is that you learn how to make friends and you learn how to how to, you know, deal with people. And, uh, you know, and, and as I say that, I also know how driven I was as a young person to play sports and to win and how important that was to me. And, uh, buddy, there were times when, uh, you know, if you weren't helping me win on the field, we probably weren't friends. <laughs> so. That drive to win is uh, really connects to the business world as well. You got to you got to have that drive and you got to have your team to have that drive or else it's going to be hard to succeed. Yeah, and it's it's funny. We we talk about it here in in one of the ways that it it's hard to make people want, you know, and that's that's one of the biggest things in in any situation that anybody's in and and as an organization, you know, we go to talk to candidates and and work with people on on where they're at or where they're going in their careers. It's one of the most important things that we can uncover, you mm -hmm. know, why, the why behind their why they want to move. And uh 
it's a it's a, a career that I kind of fell into, but uh, I, I sincerely adore it. It's a, we, we we literally change people's lives every day, and uh, I I really I really love it. It's fun. You never know what's next. Deal with folks. Deal with people. Absolutely, and I I definitely want to hear more about your business and how you help people and and finding jobs and yeah. and I love that discussion of why. Before we go there. You played baseball. You were a pitcher. I want to. I want to yep. hear your story of of what it's like to be a pitcher, and you know that that lifestyle and that craziness that I, I can imagine. Well, I, I'll I'll start with if I would have had my choice coming out of high school because uh, I played football also at Cedar Falls, and, and it was actually part of the uh, state championship team in uh, in '86. So it uh, if I would have had my choice, I would have played football, <laughs> and I can guarantee you that I spent less than two or three minutes watching Northwestern football practice in the fall of uh, 1988, you know, when I first got to Northwestern. And at the time, we were not very good. Uh, We were, that was before Gary Barnett, before the program shifted. And I I, I think it wouldn't be too far of a stretch for me to say we were the patsy of the Big Ten (laughs) back then. And there is, I could not have survived five minutes on that football field. There is no way. Bigger, faster, stronger at every position and not even remotely close. <laughs> and, uh, and so I was very fortunate to be able to play baseball and it was, uh, had a great run and to be on the mound. And, um, you know, it's, it's a, I look back on those times now and, you know, to, to know that you've been on the mound with bases loaded and nobody out, literally it's nobody's coming to get you, you know, it, uh, or maybe they will, but, uh, you know, it's, it's on you. You got to get out there and throw strikes and make things happen and get people out. And I'll, I'll tell you my favorite moment of collegiate baseball. And, uh, I, I might loop this in and I might, uh, as I recall, you're an Iowa state guy. That's correct. And, and at the, at the, uh, at the uh, chance of uh, maybe rubbing a few of the Hawkeye fans the wrong way, I'll, I'll tell a little story here that my junior year, we played University of Iowa in uh, uh, Evanston and swept them on Saturday. And I pitched the first game and uh, uh, another kid from Iowa, Jason Wallace from Strawberry Point, pitched the uh, second game. And uh, after the game was over, somebody in our dugout said, man, who's that guy over there yelling at Dwayne Banks? He's giving it to him. Well, it was my grandfather. <laughs> and he was yelling at the head Iowa head coach Dwayne Banks, who's you know a legend at the school. And uh, supposedly, what he yells, "How do you like that, Banks? Two kids from Iowa sticking it up your backside." Yeah. So, so yeah, Grandpa wasn't too happy that uh, that I was a Wildcat. He really <laughs> wanted me to go be a Hawkeye, and uh, he uh, he reminded old Dwayne that uh, he didn't appreciate that. So, yeah. Oh, that's good. You know, in business and in life, you got you got that pressure, and you just mentioned it, having bases loaded standing on the mound, no outs. Tell, tell us what goes through your mind at that point, because, you, you know, just thinking of everything that everyone's going through in life today, you know, all the challenges, it, it's it's a very good correlation to what, what people might be going through. And, and just, just tell us what goes through your mind and how you, how you manage that pressure uh, in that situation. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's interesting. I was actually talking to one of our, our managers here just in the last couple of days about something along these lines. It, everybody's different. And some people relish that moment. Some people love that and and 
all they can think about is how to win and how to beat somebody in that moment. And other people, all they can think about is how not to lose. You know, I'm I'm certain that as a young person and growing up with, with two parents that were definitely grinders, you know, get up, work hard, get her done, folks, um, that, that the hard work and the you know, willingness to to do what it takes to win was definitely instilled in me as a young person. And that one of my fond memories, and it, uh, I think I was about 10 playing Little League Baseball in Alamogordo, New Mexico, and uh, came off the field. And my mother said to me, if you're not going to play hard and play to win, I'm not coming to watch you. Do you understand? <laughs> and uh, I told that story to people and they're, you know, some people gasp and it's just, you know, it, it's kind of a, a calling for life. You know, if you don't like what you're doing and you're at the, and you're not working hard and you're not being, then go do something else. That's a, that's a great point. If you're not in it to win it, it's it makes it tough. You you can't energize. You can't give that to somebody. You have to have it inside you. And it's really a calling for everybody. And you know that leads back to you know happiness and and really even mental health. You know that's become such a big topic these days. And and uh, you know you you look back on the on those times in the you know 80s or 90s, and that was never a thing. You know it's never something. If if uh, if you folded or you couldn't handle the pressure, you were the problem. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, go grab some bench and, uh, you know, it, and at the same time, there's always difficulties in life, you know, life's tough. It's not fair. And, uh, you know, dust yourself off, pick yourself up and let's go, let's go get it done. Find a way. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's, that's probably a lot of preaching to the choir of a lot of Iowa right there. <laughs> Oh, that's that's wonderful. You know, it's just just being an, an athlete in any sport, you gotta have that can do and that how can we and let's go, let's go win it. I wrestled and I probably counted more more lights than I did anything else, but I still worked hard and you still still had fun with it. And I think that's a big part of it is you gotta work hard, you gotta you gotta put every every effort into it. So it sounds like you had a great career. And so tell us how how, how you went from baseball to the business world. Well, it uh, it was rather it was actually a rather unceremonious exit, and uh, and I'm and I'm happy to share it because it uh, I look back on it now and I kind of giggle every time that I I ever it ever gets brought up and uh, from so I spent uh, 91 to 96 in the Pittsburgh organization played as high as Double A and and got hurt uh, you know shoulder and a knee and uh, surgeries on both. And, uh, you know, and, and when your fastball goes from, you know, mid 90 something, 93, 94 to 86 or 87, they, they don't have a spot for you. And uh, so Cy Young Award winner uh, Pete Vukovic was the uh, minor league coordinator for Pittsburgh at the time. And, uh, you know, said, uh, you know, I got pulled into the admin offices. Dan, you know, your fastball isn't where velocity is not where it needs to be. Um, you know, one of your old managers is looking for pitchers up in the independent league in, in Minnesota. You go up there and stay healthy and your velocity comes back up. You know, maybe we'll take a look at you. What do you think? I said, you know what I think, Pete? He said, what's that? I said, go screw yourself. <laughs> Where do I sign? <laughs> and the paper got pushed at me. And uh, and uh, the number two sitting next to him said, here's your trash bag. Go clean out your locker and don't steal the uniforms or the bats. <laughs> so I actually, I actually told that to the Rays, uh, one of the Rays, you know, senior people in the Rays organization here not too long ago. And, uh, and he said, yeah, Dan, that's never good news, but we try to be a little more gentle with that news these days. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the, the part of that, that, 
that really, you know, I look back on now really fondly. Um, and, and it's actually a guy who spent many years in the Rays organization developing their players, who was a Pittsburgh minor league coach at that time. His name's Steve Watson. Uh, he stopped me you know, on the way to the clubhouse. And it, essentially, the last two years of my career, I rehabbed. So I rehabbed a shoulder and rehabbed a knee, uh, you know, 18, 20 months of rehab is what it turned into. And, uh, and he said, hey, he said, I've watched you work for the last two years. And, you know, just realize one of the biggest reasons you were here was to let the young kids, who's the, their rookie ball is in Bradenton. So it's a lot of 18, 19 year old kids, you know, very first year of their career. And he said, you know, the biggest reason you've been here is to let the young kids see what hard work looks like. So please don't let all that hard work and all that effort and all that, that want and care get lost in today's disappointment. And to look back on that, that now and know that, that that guy was only three or four years older than me and had just gone through the same thing, you know, three or four years earlier as he was in the red in the Cincinnati Reds organization. What, I mean, what a wonderful thing yeah. for him to do and just, you know, in, mentally mature at 26 or 28 years old to stop a kid and, and have that conversation. And here I am 30 years later talking. About it, right. You know, and uh, just a good man. And it, and it doesn't, it doesn't shock me at all to see how the Rays organization for the last decade, time and time and time and time again, has developed talent in their organizations because of guys like him. Huh. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So, but loved every minute of it. Wouldn't change it for the world. You know, absolute fond memories. And, uh, you know, the one thing that I'm a hundred percent sure of is that, uh, every day I played the game, every, you know, every time I was between the lines, I did everything I could to, to win and to put myself, uh, you know, up, as far up the line and, and into the big leagues as, you know, as I did everything I knew to do. Yeah. And that's all you can ask for. Absolutely. Does it hurt any less? Probably not. I still have, <laughs> right. I still have a hard time watching games sometimes, especially when a guy's throwing eighty-eight to ninety. You know, with a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and it. Uh, but no, it gave me so much. I mean, I got to. It, it, there's no question in my mind. I wouldn't have. There's no way I would have gotten into Northwestern without baseball. Uh, there's no way. Um, and and it had a wonderful experience in the minor leagues. And yeah, it uh, it was fantastic times. So oh, that's great. That's great. Well, let's let's move to your entrepreneurship, your life. You you founded a, a, a business and I, I'd, I'd love to hear what made you start the business and and what problem you intended to solve. Sure. And it's it's funny. It uh, I, I left uh, baseball literally not knowing what I was going to do. Um, worked for a bank for a little bit and figured out uh, very quickly that they really helped me figure out that uh, my type A personality straight from the locker room is not what uh, is acceptable in banking and uh, got into staffing and worked for a big national firm for uh, the first five years of my career and, and got five years into it and saw some of the business practices at the time and uh, how they treated people. And I just, uh, there were just a lot of things that weren't, that I didn't agree with, you know, just things that uh, the way they treated people, the way they handled uh, their payroll and including how they handled internal employees. Mm. You know, and at, at one point I, uh, I went back to school and started an MBA here in the Tampa area and uh, asked for tuition reimbursement. And I'll never forget the HR person that I spoke to at the corporate office said, oh, no, we teach you everything you need to know. Oh, really? <laughs> and just in the most condescending tone that you've ever heard in your entire life. 
so yeah, so that was one piece, and uh, and and I looked down and realized that uh, you know as uh, that I was running a book of business that did over a half million dollars a year in gross profit, and uh, not in revenue, in gross profit, and uh, saw you know sixty sixty five thousand dollars in base commission and you know base salary and commissions, and thought this is nuts. You know, where's the other half million dollars? You know, where's the other four hundred? 420, 440 going for. So yeah, it uh, and certainly now it uh, you know I look back on that now and it uh, you know what's the saying uh, arrogance uh, and naive only arrogant and naive people start businesses. <laughs> <laughs> there might be some truth to that. It uh, I certainly understand where all that money goes now much more than I used to. But uh, it's not nearly as easy as it uh, may seem. But uh, I love it. It, uh, it it was really just a matter of being fair and treating treating people fairly and uh, uh, being great with customers and, and not taking advantage of people. And, you know, uh, I saw a lot of that. I want to reinforce a couple of things to our audience, the achiever. When you have a business, you've got to treat your people well. And, and I think that's everything you're saying is, is so important that today there's so many people that it's hard to keep people for one. And when you do keep them, you want them there for a long time. So you got to treat them well. And if you don't have a, a culture of treating people well, you're going to you're going to lose them. And especially when you're condescending to them and you're not treating them well, you, you will lose them. So I, I love that you shared that story. Yeah, it uh, it. So, yeah, it's and it certainly has been easy. You know, there's there's uh, there's always ups and downs in uh, in everything. And, and you know, the first uh, starting with a partner, you know, the first uh, four or five years of it were fantastic and uh, ended up uh, buying him out in our sixth year of business. And uh, everybody probably knows somebody who's been divorced or separated or and it's it uh, it's as bad as any of those stories are. It was it was terrible. Mm. It, uh, you know, certainly lost weight, stressful, all those things. And uh, I look back on all that now and, and wouldn't change it for the world. So what, what are some things that you learned in that business partner breakup that made you a better business person? Wow. Probably the biggest one was some of the people that we had working for us at, the, at that time were people that I'd never hired. You know, in a partnership, it's a give and take, right? There's pluses and minuses to all of it. And we had some really intelligent, uh, really productive salespeople and recruiters on our team at that time. And they had some ethical challenges to be really blunt about it. And I think that led to some of it, to some of the, the partnership dispute. Uh, and, and then, you know, and it, it uh, but at the same time, I, you know, looking back on it now, wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah. Wouldn't change it for the world. So it was uh, the best decision I've, I've ever made. And uh, it's, you know, have, have managed to, you know, grow the organization substantially since that time. And uh, I'm incredibly fortunate with some of the folks we have on staff, or really everybody we have on staff now, just hardworking, straightforward, just achievers, just, pe just people who push each other without, just because they want, they want to make a difference. They, 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 they want to do the right thing. And it um, probably the, one of the favorite things I've had happen in the last few years You'll actually appreciate this one. It was um, we had a situation. So we're so we do direct placement and contract work. So we'll have uh, employees that will pay on an hourly basis that we'll put out at a customer site. And uh, had a situation where one of the customers thought that uh, one of the employees was stealing equipment, mm. and it and it was a rather large organization and led to a big investigation. And eventually, learned you know uh, ended in. You know, the county sheriff getting involved and people getting arrested, and it was it was a big deal. And um, 
some of the people in, in, in the organization wanted to terminate our contract. Uh, and one of the primary folks that we dealt with uh, from the vendor management side of the business said uh, something to the effect to me that uh, they had completed the audit and didn't find anything just like the other five or six times they've done it in the last few years. And I said, what are you talking about? What audit? And he's like, yeah, man, you get audited every year. And I said, nobody ever told me. And he goes, yeah, because there's never anything to find. It's like, don't worry about it. It's handled. And I'm like, wait a minute, man. I almost got fired. Like, what? And uh, so it's that, it, it, it's a wonderful situation where, you know, without even knowing, we got caught doing the right right thing. Yeah. We were five or six years in a row. And and then it got to a, a situation where it was bad. You know, it was it was a situation where uh, three different people had had stole, you know, 50, 60 laptops. And, you know, our employee was, you know, there was an internal employee, there was a contract employee, and there was a, 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 a consultant who was in there representing himself. And everybody had their hand in the, you know, those guys had their own little cabal going, you know, uh, lifting uh. the clip. And uh, so it, uh, it, it was very fortunate, again, that, uh, you know, just got caught doing the right thing. And uh, they're still a customer to this day. Oh, that's wonderful. For entrepreneurs and you starting your own business, you've got to be different than everybody else. What, what kind of things do you do differently with not only your internal team, but your, your external clients uh, or candidates that, that make you stand out in the marketplace? I think what I just highlighted there is probably the, the first one and the easiest one is just, just working with honesty and integrity. And as simple as that sounds, it's, it's the reason why this business started, you know, for the guys that I worked for many, many years ago is that, uh, you know, whatever internal controls they had in place, it didn't stop people yep, from doing yep. things that, that weren't okay. And so, you know, that's, that's the one and the, and the biggest one for me, for sure. And how do you, how do you ensure your team has that? How do you, how do you reinforce that? How do you create that culture? You know, it goes back to how we recruit internally, how we talk to each other, you know, how we, how we manage people, how we pay people, you know, and they're just, it's a lot of really flat, direct conversations where there's, and if there's a question, we sit down and walk through it and, and whether it's pen and paper or whatever it takes, make sure we're all, we're all on the same page. Cause there's always a misunderstanding sooner or later, something's not clear. Things get, you know, things get mixed in translation on occasion. And, uh, it's just a matter of knowing that uh, we're all on the same team mm -hmm. at the end of the day and we're all pulling the rope the same direction and we're in it together. And uh, yeah, easy. <laughs> yeah, easy. Very easy to say, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I hear a lot from my clients and, and businesses all around. It's hard to find people that'll work today. Uh, it's hard to find people that, you know, that you want to give them feedback, but you're afraid that they're going to quit. Uh, if they don't like the feedback or if you hold them accountable. When you're recruiting candidates for your clients, how do you screen that out? How do you how do you make sure that you're sending the right person into your into your client's business? Right. You know, it's it's certainly a challenge in that in you know, most of our work is technology. So we're in the you know technical recruiting. And most of our competitors in the industry spend 95% of their time on the technicals. You know, what's the what's the line of code or what's the server or what's the database that we're working on, right down to the nth degree of all that. And so it's it's almost all technology. And you know, our approach tends to be a little bit different that, you know, at the at, at the time, well, well, we certainly screen the technology. 
aptitude is the is the biggest piece of that. And so it's so so from the client, and that's from the candidate side, right? So the the candidate side is what's their aptitude? Is it a, you know so culture, aptitude, technology? Yeah, right. Yep. Those those three things tend to be very equal, and we try to balance that in 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 how we in how we recruit for the order. But the other side of that is who's the organization we're working, hmm. and what's important to them, and who are they as a company. Sure. And, you know, that's a different level of engagement that that requires a little bit of their time. But what we've found over time is that instead of wasting two, three, five, 10 hours of interview time, sending the wrong people, if we can spend a little bit of time up front understanding the organization, it just saves a ton of time. on the back end. It just makes us so much better at what we do. Huh. Oh, that's wonderful. That's a, that's a fascinating business, and I'm I'm sure it keeps you on your toes. Yeah, about the time I think I've seen it all, <laughs> just not have it. But I know I have it. Well, you know, just just a couple more questions. What's what's a, a ceiling that you're trying to break through right now? What's something that you're you're working hard, whether it's your business or your personal life or your your family that uh, that you're working to break through to go to the next level with? Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to I'm going to kind of I'll dig into this one a little bit, because in with entrepreneurship and startup life and, and startup businesses, one of the one of the dirty little words around that is lifestyle business. Right. Nobody. Uh, everybody wants to grow. Everybody. You know, I want to be the next Uber. I want to be the next Amazon, whatever it is. And, you know, I I think about where I've been over the course of of the career, you know, since that buyout in those six. And at the time I had, you know, wife and I had little kids, you know, they were four and six years old at the time. And, you know, for many years, probably close to a decade there, it was very much a lifestyle business. And so what's the ceiling? Well, the ceiling was I made it to every dance recital, every soccer game, every little league game, every softball game. I made it to all of them and I wouldn't change it for the world. Right. But the funny thing is, and certainly parents out there will probably get a little chuckle out of this. Those kids get to be 14, 16 years old. Man, they get smart really fast. They know so much more than you do. Right. Uh, but no, we've got we're very fortunate with big kids. And uh, but that it uh, as you know, as uh, I actually started to get involved in some of the startup uh, ecosystem here in, in the Tampa Bay area and, uh, you know, wrote a few checks to try and help a few startups and thought, wait a minute, here I've got this wonderful lifestyle business. Maybe I should lean in here a little bit and really try to try to grow my own organization. And so that's really what we've done in the last, you know, last five, 10 years, we've, we've doubled and doubled again. And, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to keep that going. It, good, uh, good. I've got too many great people to not, help them grow their careers then you know just it's it's they want to keep pushing and so do i and uh so yeah so it uh you know where we're at today we've you know we've peaked out around 125 135 employees on uh, on payroll at different times and you know 200 is next i guess that's right well you got to have that next goal so yeah so yeah that's right so what what do you yeah. see as your biggest challenge to getting to 200 um, well, I mean, that's a, you know, not to get, uh, well, I'll go real tactical on this one. You know, we're a services business. With the services industry, there's one there's one way to grow the business, really. And it's to, uh, you know, people want to try and tell you technology, but services, boy, that's tough. And so it's going to be with people. It's going to be us recruiting internally and recruiting salespeople and recruiters and uh, finding, you know, digging digging through and finding people that that can buy into what we're up to. And uh, we've been fortunate. We've got a lot of 
said it more than once. We've got a lot of wonderful people here, and uh, I expect that to keep going. So what a good run. I, I really want to reinforce what you just said. It's it's you got to recruit for yourself, but you got to find people who are willing to buy into what you're up to. And you, you've got to have a clear message. You've got to have a clear story of where we're going, what is in, for, in, in it for them. And if they don't buy into that desire, they, they're not going to last long. So I, I love to hear that that's your direction. That's wonderful. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, and it's ever perfect. It never is. None of us are, right? We make mistakes. There's ups, there's downs. But uh, but the net of it all is, uh, is uh, it's good. A lot of good things. That's wonderful. Good, good life. Very fortunate. That's wonderful. Well, I, I really appreciate a lot of what you shared with us. You know, one, one last question I have for you is, what do you want to be known for? Yeah, it, um, boy, I, uh, you know, as I sit here thinking that I'm getting along in my career a little bit, you know, when I look back, the thing I know more than anything is that, that uh, I've helped people change their lives and change their, change their lot in life. And it, um, you know, when I, I, and I think about what I had the front row seat to as a kid and growing up, you know, having folks from Marengo, Iowa, you know, population 1300 and living in, you know, Southern New Mexico, you know, in, in places like that. And it's just, it, uh, front row seat to seeing my folks live the American dream. Yeah. And, um, you know, and it, and it was through one thing, through hard work and consistency for a very long time. And, um, I can, I can guarantee you that, uh, I've seen people in our organization, even, and even folks that aren't here anymore, where I'm a hundred percent sure that, that we've changed people's lives. And, and I'll, I'll give you a, a quick one where, uh, we had a, a, a fellow come to work for us, recruit for us and had had no experience in the recruiting industry. And, uh, I know he's at a Fortune 500 company making over $200,000 now working in our industry. And when he was working for us, he, he had a tattoo of a train around his arm. And I, and I asked him why, you know, what's, the, what's it represent? And he said, well, Dan, it reminds me that when I was 14 years old, I sold a $1,000 train that uh, had been given to me uh, for 40 bucks and a bag of weed. <laughs> and life's flipping away from me can be that far away. And I'm like, oh, that is not what I expected, right? But it, you know, clearly, it's a, a guy that had grown up in a, a, a rough, you know, rough family, a rough, rough household. And I can confidently say that even though he's no longer here, we we helped change his life. Yep. Oh, that's so, fantastic. That's yeah. fantastic. I just want to reinforce a few things that that I heard from you today. Is you got to have a drive to win. And it, it's it's on you. When you have that drive, you've got to take it. And you showed that in your baseball career and your business. And again, life is tough and you got to find a way. Uh, I think we all have ups and downs. We all have our challenges, but you got to find a way. And you just do everything to win. So I, I, I really appreciate you sharing those key points and, and that. So Well, I, I remember my grandmother saying, God helps those who help themselves. Yeah, it rings in my ears more than once, and it, uh, it, uh, buddy, if you're not willing to step up and do it yourself, who will? That's right. That's right. Well, if our audience wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way to reach out? Um, uh, probably LinkedIn. Uh, Dan Jones. I'm in Tampa, Florida. Uh, IT Resources is the company. And uh, thank you for having me on today. Really appreciate it. Thank you so oh, much. Hey, you are welcome. I enjoyed the conversation. Enjoyed hearing your story and how you've broken through all your your life's ups and downs. And and really appreciate uh, getting to know you a little bit more. 
Thank you, sir. To our audience, hit like, hit subscribe, and uh, enjoy our show. And we'll look forward to seeing you next episode. Thanks, Dan, for joining us. And we'll see you all soon. Thank you for listening to What's Your Ceiling? We hope this episode has helped you transform the way you think, understand your awareness, has given you new ideas, and has provided you a new perspective on how to push through your ceiling. Please take in a second to give us a thumbs up. Each review helps us impact more people just like you making a difference in this world. See you next week on What's Your Ceiling?